ओम ज्ञान And it said that Krishna appeared to favor her more than any other other of the queens. She would argue and fight with Krishna. Krishna enjoyed that. This is recorded in Shastra. You see, sometimes Krishna also tried to make Rukmini angry so he could enjoy some kind of quarrel with her. She she. Could not enter into that mood. She, she's in different mood. Her sthayi bhav or her, her intrinsic mood of devotion for Krishna is so much fixed in that of a very subservient wife that even Krishna prodding her to try and make her angry, he couldn't do it. And when he apparently pushed her too far, instead of becoming angry, she simply fainted. She couldn't. She couldn't. Psychologically, take that. So that's and, and Satyabhama has a different mood, and uh, all the sixteen thousand one hundred eight queens—they all have different moods. They're all different individuals. They all relate with Krishna in different ways, and Krishna enjoys relating with them all in different ways. There's sixteen thousand one hundred eight queens. You. You can imagine how difficult it would be for an ordinary person to relate to so many people, not to speak of wives, as an intimate relationship. We can't have intimate relationships with so many people, otherwise it stops becoming intimate. In the modern age, we have so many, we have, we keep relationships with so many people, we travel around, we have phone and email and so many things, it's difficult to have. A very intimate relationship with so many people, and nowadays often we see that relationships—they're not generally—they're not very deep at all among karmis, especially even though people are living together. Their relationships aren't very deep. There are reasons for that. One reason is, is instead of doing things together, just like families would do harvesting together, but they don't do that. Either. The husband is working one job, the wife is working another job. They don't do things together. They don't even speak to each other that much. They're watching TV. So where's the relationship? Unless you do things together and speak to each other, then how do you relate? It's uh, Shantaras at best, sitting in the same room watching TV. It's, it's like you're, I, you're in the same room. Simply being in the same room doesn't make a relationship. So doing things together, Krishna, you see, Krishna took Satyabhama when he went to fight with Narakasura. He didn't take Rukmini; he took Satyabhama. She was, she was an adventurous lass. You know the word "lass" means it means like a young, young, young woman. She was an adventurous young woman. She liked. She wasn't the stay-at-home type. She liked to get out. So she was also, uh, she's also Kshatriyani, she's in Kshatriya stock. So she was also, that's described, she was also, when they, when they were fighting, they were shooting at Garuda, she was also helping with the fighting. Rukmini also, as she, coming from Kshatriya stock, she also, she also knew the Kshatriya, that's described that when Krishna was taking her, he was driving her away on the chariot, she was driving the chariot and Krishna was fighting. So she knew some of the Satyanas. Of course, driving a chariot, that is considered the work of a Shudra. That is, the Sarati is considered a Shudra. That's why for Krishna to become Partha Sarati was quite surprising because Kshatriya generally won't become the Sarati, the, the chariot driver of someone else, because it's a very, it's considered very low status. That's why Karna, they, you'll find in Gita that, uh, that's described, Sutaputra is described as the son of the chariot driver. 
son of the chariot driver. They, the Pandavas related to him, they, they used to call him like that as an insult because he was trying to be a king. Of course, Duryodhana made him a king because at the Swayamvara of who is that? Swayamvara Draupadi. She said, said that I can only marry a Kshatriya. And in this way she insulted Karna, who was also as good as Arjuna in the Kshatriya arts, especially in archery. So she didn't, Draupadi didn't want to be captured by Karna. It was, the, it was a test of shooting. Look up, look down, shoot. Was it a test of shoot? No, only look down and shoot. Not allowed to the target was up, but he had to look down. So she didn't want to be captured then. Then, uh, so that was a great insult to Karna. But then Duryodhana immediately said, "Okay, I'll make him a king because he was the emperor. He could make, he could, he made him a king uh, somewhere, somewhere out in Bihar." So, uh, but they always used to call Sutaputra or Radha. That was an insult for him because he was known as the son of Radha, not nothing to do with Radha in Vrindavan. The uh, the charity, charity's wife. So he was known as Radha. So Krishna became the Sarathi. Kshatriyas they were supposed to know that they they didn't become the charity of anyone else, but. Often they'd have to drive their own chariot. Especially what do you do in the middle of the battle if your charioteer gets killed or incapacitated? Then, you know, you have to take over, you have to drive the chariot yourself until you get another chariot driver. So, they would know these arts. And it appears that the, the Kshatriya women, they also do these arts. There are some, in Indian history, there's, there's famous that Rani Jansi, she was fighting against the British. She, her husband got killed, so she became the leader. And she was very valiant, and eventually the British killed her by, by foul means. Actually, there was some traitor. Someone betrayed them. In Europe, also there are some cases. Joan of Arc in France. She was fighting against the English and. English burned her to death. Wasn't very nice thing to do. There's a story from ancient Greek history. They were fighting a naval battle against the against some some Greek and some Greeks. They had so many little kingdoms right in Greece itself, and they were fighting against some some Persians. Naval battle. So they were fighting, and then they came to know the Greeks came to know that the Persians were being led by their queen. She was out there fighting, so they became so angry that how can a woman fight against us? So they became completely so angry. You know, they, they just went berserk and they completely smashed their whole forces. And, you know, they, they, that spurred them to fight more. They thought it was such an insult that a woman should be fighting against us. So anyway, the, the Shatra, there's a very definite spirit there. Prabhupada described that, uh, actually when Prabhupada was lying on his, on his bed in those days, he could hardly move, but he was still translating his books and holding the mic, he was lying down and holding the mic. So they, they asked Prabhupada that, Prabhupada, already everything is given in your books. So why are you struggling now? So Prabhupada said, it's just like a good soldier, a Shatran, even if he's completely injured and he can hardly move, he's down on the, even if he's lying down, he can't get up, still he'll, Prabhupada waved his hand, he'll, he'll wave his sword and try and see if he can catch some enemy soldier and do some damage. <laughs> that's, that's the real Shatriya spirit. That's the real Kshatriya spirit. So Prabhupada was showing the, the spirit and the queens, they had that. It appears that 
Kshatriyanis, they weren't, they weren't so much this, like, uh, the stay-at-home type. They were, they were also quite dynamic. They had to assist their husbands. Draupadi, she was managing, anyway the wife manages the affairs of the husband, the home affairs. But in the case of the, in the case of Draupadi, the home affairs means the home was the palace. With hundreds and thousands of servants and all the time different brahmanas would be coming and wanting some, something and different guests, different kings coming. So it was like managing a, a big hotel complex or something. Plus all the, the accounts, all the money coming in and going out. And so she was overseeing the treasury and looking after guests. It was a big job. She was managing. But still, she was subservient to her husbands. Sometimes she chastised them also. But uh, her basic role was one of serving her husbands. That's described in, the, in some detail in the Mahabharata, how Prabhupada has mentioned here how Satyabhama and the other queens, they, actually all the 16,108 queens they met, with Draupadi and asked her, how, how are you so expert in satisfying all your husbands? Because they wanted to serve Krishna better, even though they're perfect. They attained the position of serving Krishna. Still they wanted to know. They asked another devotee how they could improve their service. So I asked Draupadi, and that's a whole section in Mahabharata, very important instruction on read dharma, how the wife should satisfy the husband. Among her husbands there are also Kshatriyas, but they are quite different personalities also. I mean, Bhima was as different from Yudhishthir practically as anybody could be. Yudhishthir was almost brahminical in nature, for which Bhima would sometimes sarcastically make comments about Whereas Bhim was, he was like, he was like the uh, prototype of Rambo or something like that. He was, he was, a, he was a real he-man. And Arjun also, he was, he was like something in between. He was a fighter, but also very thoughtful and moral person. Bhima's motto was just, you know, let's, let's crush the opposition by any means. As soon as possible, he was, he bowed when, when Duryodhana slapped his thigh when Draupadi was insulted, he vowed that he would break that thigh. And when, when uh, Dushashana dragged Draupadi into the assembly, he, he vowed that I'm a, when, when the opportunity comes, I'm going to drink, drink the blood from his heart. After killing him, I will drink the blood from his heart. This kind of person Bhima was. And Draupadi said, Okay, I'll, I'll take you up on that. She says, I, I won't tie my hair, because a woman should always tie her hair, unless she's in mourning. So she remained in mourning with her hair untied. She said, Until you drink Dushashana's blood, until you fulfill that vow, I'll keep my hair loose. So, she also had that Shatriyani spirit. She was always, she also, she very much wanted revenge on the Kauravas. She was always pushing Bhim. So she was always reminding him that Bhim had the vow he would kill all of the hundred sons. Actually, there are 101 sons of Dhritarashtra. Uh, one was son of a Vaisha. Well, he had a Vaisha wife also, Yuyutsu. He joined the Pandavas in the fighting. He also, he didn't like the, his brothers. So, Bhim did that, one after another, and Sanjay was giving the news. <laughs> he was <laughs> giving the news to Dhritarashtra that this son is killed, this son, one by one. Who is Bhim? So, eventually, uh, after the battle, then Dhritarashtra came and he, he said that, he said, all right, everything's forgiven now. 
let me embrace all the, the Pandavas one by one. But he was anyone he wanted to, he was so strong, he was not a weakling himself. He wanted to crush Doom to death. So Krishna said, just put a stone statue there. So he did, and put the stone, when he was supposed to, because he was blind, when he was supposed to embrace Bhim, and he crushed in the whole statue, made into rubble. So these are the Kshatriyas, such a, such a mood in fierce people. Prabhupada said, I heard this years the fact that Indira Gandhi was the Prime Minister of India, this indicated there was not one single real Kshatriya left in India. Because no Kshatriya could tolerate to be ruled by a woman. So they couldn't. They could tolerate to be ruled by a Muslim. That they could, if they were, if they were, if they were strong and they were good fighters, they could take it. They couldn't tolerate that. So that spirit in them, that holding the stomach and fighting the, uh, among, among the Sikhs that Guru Gobind Singh, he died like that. He died in fighting and he said that even he was completely, he was holding his stomach. Otherwise it would have just all fallen out. He was all cut up. He went on fighting. Like that. So they had that spirit. Still, you'll find there are families in India, Kshatriya, by caste. They, they only send their sons to the army. But generation after generation, they go to the army, and and uh, if they if they one of them is killed in battle, they consider them very honourable. So they're still like that. The Jats in North India, most of the Sikhs of the Jat are from there. The Indian army practically is based on the the Gurkhas and the and the Sikhs, and there are some others also. But basically, the fighting spirit. Is very strong. Still, that spirit is coming down. Even now. So this, uh, the queens, they also, that's why the, the caste system, they, there was, you'll find that they were quite strict about marriage also. Brahmin would marry a Brahmin girl, Shatri would marry a Shatri wife. There was a reason for that. It's just like you breed, you know, you have Jersey cows, you breed them with another Jersey cow, and then you get the quality of a Jersey cow. And, uh, and Jersey or any, you know, so many gear, they have the gear, cows and bulls in Gujarat, and they'll, they'll fight lions, won't attack them. In their gear forest, there are still lions. The, the lions won't attack them, because they'll, they'll, they'll beat the lion in a fight. They know how to fight the lions. So different uh, horses, dogs, they breed them. The certain dogs have certain kind of, Alsatian dog has certain characteristic. Or they have these little white dogs, I don't know what they're called, but they bark and they make a horrible noise. So they have their own characteristic. Cats, they breed cats, they have cat contests and all this. But it's humans also. That you see that, that they kept the Brahmin families, Kshatriya families, because if a Kshatriya is married with a girl from the Kshatriya family, then they tend to produce a child of that certain spirit. That's why we see the Pandavas when they were, when Parikshit was born, they wanted to know, will he maintain the same spirit of our line? They had a, a whole line of kings. It wasn't, an, it wasn't an ordinary thing to be a king. It's not like being voted nowadays to be voted a prime minister or a chief minister. They have no qualities of actual leaders. The real qualities of leaders, they should be fearless in uprooting evil. But rather the modern leaders, they're, they're in co cohorts with the, with the evil elements. The kings are supposed to make, there should be no theft. The thieves should be so afraid that they don't, even if there's the thief caste also. But they should be so afraid that they can't do, they can't subsist. They shouldn't come, they shouldn't be able to live in that kingdom. They'd be so afraid. So, but the kings, the modern kings, they themselves are the thieves. And they're in, uh, they're in nexus with all the gangsters. 
So this this modern they they have no moral principles, religious principles, no training. So the the traditional Kshatriyas they weren't like that. They were very honorable and noble, and they they, they had a very high sense of honor. That's why they, you see that Arjun he told that that Brahmana in in Dwarka his sons were dying at birth. He said, this is the king's fault. I didn't do anything simply, Brahma. must be the king's fault. So Arjun vowed that I will protect your next child and if I can't do, I'll enter into fire and die. If he can't, if he can't give protection to the citizens, he considers my life is useless. And look at the situation nowadays. So what a qualification he needed to do. What a qualification he needed to have. So that was uh, by Genetics also, we would say in the modern age, by breeding and by training. Both things are required. Of course, one can come to the platform of Brahmana, Vaishnava. It's not necessarily that it's by birth. Even one can be from the most fallen background. And even someone may be born in a Brahmana family and be Kshatriya by nature, like Parashuram. Are we born in a Kshatriya family and be a Brahmana by nature, like the Navayogendras and so many others? But uh, generally, son of a Brahmana had the spirit of a Brahmana, and they could be, they were, they were trained like that, and they would also become actually a Brahmana. So, you see, it's a very, very distinct type of personality. And you can still see in India today to some extent how the Brahmana nature, Kshatriya nature, you'll hardly see. But you'll see business families, they, they have that, just by nature they have, it's a whole mood that goes with it, whole attitude, whole outlook. There's so many castes, subcastes. So the, the queens of Krishna were headed by Satyabhama. Krishna had 16,108 queens who were all different. They all related to him differently. Krishna was able to fully satisfy every one of them in his dealings with every one of them. Even to the extent that even though Krishna himself was playing the part of, a, of an ordinary prince, but uh, he brought from the heavenly planets the Parijat tree. In other words, he was thinking how to how to satisfy his queens. That the whole world is going on like that. That. that uh, Someone buys a, a new car and then next door the wife is saying to her husband, well, we should also have a new car. So like that Satyabhama saw in the heavenly planets, you see, Aditi is showing. You see, this is what we have in the heavenly planets. And she was thinking, well, I'd like that too. Why should... Well, and she was showing that we are using. People like that. They, they get a big house and then they like sometimes when you... When you go in someone's house, they like to show you this room and that room, and they like to show you this is the this facility and that facility. They like to show. They work hard to make money. Then they make a big house, and then what are they going to do? They, they it's to show other people. You see, we have this facility and that facility, so they like to show. And especially the, the women, they like to show. You see, to another. Yeah, they like to hold parties and then how big a party they can have and how much they spend. It's all prestige. So something like that was going on with Satyabhama also. With Krishna appearing as an ordinary hen-pecked husband. He, he agreed to fulfill the desires of Satyabhama. So it's no easy job when you have 16,108 wives. No one else could do it. 
But uh, Krishna was doing it, and each wife thought how he did it, he had a special technique, which no one can copy. That he stayed with each wife in the palace, and they thought that Krishna was only with me, because they saw Krishna is with me all day. Just in the morning he goes out to the to the for the meeting, the public Tarshan Darba court. In the what was the name of that? Deva Dharma? Sudharma meeting hall. So at that time all these sixteen thousand one hundred and eight poems would merge into one Krishna. And then he would come back and he would be all day with each queen and they thought, He's only with me all day, every day. Because they didn't know, they couldn't imagine he's with all the other queens also. So in this way, he, he, he appeared to be completely under the control of each one of them. Although actually he wasn't under the control of any of them. But he appeared like that. He satisfied all his wives. So that's the special feature of Krishna consciousness. That the relationship we can be fully satisfied in. Nowadays no one is satisfied in any relationship. Even temporarily, Krishna can satisfy eternally. So therefore this description of Krishna is being given in Srimad Bhagavatam. Hear about Krishna, discuss about Krishna. And pray for the opportunity to also develop our relationship with Krishna, either as servant, friend, parent, or lover. Every one of us is meant for that. Mukta Siddha Krishna Prem, Shadva Kabunai, Shavanadi, Shuddha Chitte Kariyudai. Everyone is by nature in love with Krishna. It's not something artificial. It has to be imposed upon us. But by nature, we all have a loving relationship with Krishna. It simply has to be revived by the process of, first of all, hearing about Krishna. And by hearing about Krishna, you think, well, I would also like to be with Krishna. So hearing, hearing about Krishna, principally from Srimad Bhagavatam. So we'll stop there and discuss more about Krishna, hearing about Krishna tomorrow. Hare Krishna. Any questions? I read in the last portion of the introduction, he said, when the Rabbis are not going to go there, they want to send the staff and say that we should be very careful in which class we are situated. And sometimes now we are, we are not going to overcome the last. And we are expressing ourselves like you know, we are in the love of Krishna, playing with Krishna, something like No, that's not proper. So what is the thing that is? Like service? No, first of all, one has to develop the mode of service. All relationships with Krishna, they have as their basis service, because everyone is eternally Jivasvarupoi Krishna Nityadas. So first of all, one has to become situated in the mode of service. Then everything else can develop from that. Yeah, just shows how the nature of Maya, Indra, was already humbled by Krishna in Vrindavan. And then again, he wanted to fight with Krishna. So you see? It's just like. Someone takes to Krishna consciousness and then again they start smoking cigarettes or something. And then they come back to Krishna consciousness and again they go. Supposed to, young Brahma, Varanendra, Rudra, Mahata, Stunvandri, Divyaisa. All the demigods are offering prayers to Krishna. Even before, when Krishna was in the womb, Indra was there offering prayers also. 
But Maya is very strong. The sense that I am the doer, I am the controller. It's very strong. And then all these four mothers went to Vaikuntha and then changed. So how is possible for them which were Brahma Devas person to come to that point to reach Vaikuntha? Sorry, what was the what was the point? Well they the distanceation how they can approach Vaikuntha. Well they approached it. They were at the gate. Then the Lord came out to see them. There's no record of them going in at that point. They were getting close. To Vasamuni, he, he was allowed to enter. There may be some, if the Lord allows, he may allow them. Not that he was going to stay there, but he was allowed entrance. Even though Devasamuni entered Vaikuntha, he still he wasn't thinking about how to stay there and serve the Lord. He was just trying to think how to, how to protect his body. And as a yogi, he should have known he's not the body. Mm. In our society, there many devotees who have this nature of kshatriyas. I don't know if they have the natures of kshatriyas. More like. Uh, more like bullies or something like that. Bully, I don't know. Someone who tries to dominate over someone else by force. Vishwarabhav, that is described in Gita as the mood of a controller. That's described in Bhagavad Gita as the nature of a Kshatriya. It's also described as the nature of a demon. So, it depends where it's coming from. Although Prabhupada said the Western people are originally from Kshatriya stock. But Kshatriya, when he becomes degraded, is just, you know, just makes a big mess. Like you see that the European people, they're always fighting. And even, you know, even if they don't have wars, they still have like soccer hooligans. Like this. There's so much violence in Western society, maybe they should just have some more wars or something. There's that strong tendency to fight. But that kind of aggression is, is not necessary. It's not necessarily Shatri aggression. That can be coming from the mode of ignorance also. Indiscriminate violence is something of the mode of ignorance. A Kshatriya has controlled aggression. It's supposed to be. He's supposed to fight only on religious principles. And uh, only, only fight for the sake of dharma and according to religious principles. This kind of thing, going into a village with, with machine guns and shooting it, all the women and children and old people dead, has nothing to do with Kshatriya. It's just completely demoniac. That's all. Nothing to do with Kshatriya nature. If you mean the controlling tendency, well, again, that Ishwarabha, it can be either, it can be coming from a demoniac background, or it can be if one wants to control the people for the sake of guiding them in Dharma. That can be considered like Kshatriya nature. Anyway, what were you going to say? You were saying so many people in our society have that nature. Uh, I want to say how it's, how it's possible for them to, you know, to, how to say, to act according to their nature or something. Is there anything? Well, training is, also, training is also needed. Like I was saying, you may have a certain nature, but you're required to be trained also. Talbot said, I want Brahmins with the spirit of Kshatriyas. And that would well describe Prabhupada. Actually, Prabhupada had a strong Vaishya spirit in him. He was also good at making and managing money from a Vaishya background. Although, according to his astrological chart, he's, 
the nature of a brahmana. But uh, it's like that to be a temple president. You have to be like a brahmin. You have to be. You have to lead by preaching and setting a good example, and you have to be philosophically inclined. And you also have to be good at organizing and managing and knowing how to deal with people. So that's like Kshatriya nature. You also have to be good at generating and managing funds. And if required, you can also have to you know, cut the subject, carry out the garbage, clean the floor. So, everything. Then the nature can be dovetailed by using it in the service of Krishna. Prabhupada saw among his disciples certain of those who had a leadership spirit. And he made them into leaders and sent them out. How can we uh, practically become more, more mature or uh, more fearless because we are very young and some pressure is there how can we practically become more mature? Well, by experience, it comes in course of time. Or if you see that you're lacking something, then see those who are not lacking that and model your behavior on them. But you should be somewhat experienced by now. Serving in the Sankirtan movement for a few years now. How many years? Four years? Should have understood the basics at least by now. Hare Krishna. Srimad Bhagavatam Jai. Srimad Ki Jai. It's like I'm explaining a strong devoid of passion desire. Mm. That means that it is not influenced by the opposite senses of the Well, that means pure strength. Naya Matna Prabhachanena, what's that? Is the next verse after that? Naya Matna Balena, you know, without strength one cannot understand the Atma. So Prabhupada describes that means spiritual strength coming from Balaram. Not this not physical strength. That was Vivekananda's idea. You have to have physical fitness, then you so better play football than read Bhagavad Gita. Although Samacharyas have recommended physical fitness is also important. Because with and Prabhupada also wrote without a healthy body, you cannot have a sound mind for spiritual practice. So, Madhva had, you know, so I've heard that the, traditionally the, the Guru calls they all, all do exercises and everything. Make the heart hard, yeah, because why austerity makes the heart hard because it's simply denial. And giving the as Krishna says in the Gita that those who torture the body they, they torture the super soul within also. It's, it's not pleasing. There's no need to, to submit the body to, so, to unnecessary pain. It's not required. And also the tendency is there to become proud also, which also means hard-heartedness. Hmm? Detachment doesn't necessarily mean that you, you just completely get difficulty to the body. Real detachment means that you can live in the world but not be attached to it. You, you just take what you need for the maintenance of the body so you can serve Krishna. 
which is more important than starving the body. How could I understand the difference? You understand that what? How could I understand the difference? The what? The what? Well, it may be it may be flexible. Also, it may not be like you know, if you take one more grain of rice, then it's a little flexible. One day you may eat more, next day less. I'm very much like I think that's something to do with bad constitution. Sometimes you feel very hungry, not at someday, not at all like that. So it may it may change. Do do whatever is required to maintain the body for the service of Krishna. And some austerities, if you want to do kadashi fasting, you can also do. But we don't recommend you go on a seven-day fast. Or, what's the value? Three. What? What do you mean? How they manifest? Which one is for each guna? Is it connected to? Is each one connected to a particular mode of nature? I'm not aware of that. You'd have to show me. I don't know. That corresponds to Satchit Ananda. I don't know, again, you have to show me, then I can see. Like you had some other question about the football universes floating like footballs. I have to see. I can't remember everything. Is the words proper used? How can we recognize what is karma yoga? If we offer something Krishna which we like, and what is uh, Yukta Vairagya? If you recognize, then you have to see your... What is Yukta Vairagya? Yukta Vairagya means when you're just thinking how to satisfy Krishna, but you you use the objects of this world in Krishna's service. When you're thinking how to satisfy Krishna, that is bhakti. When satisfaction of Krishna is secondary to our own sense satisfaction. That is not bhakti. Or even when we think to satisfy Krishna, but we are also thinking to satisfy ourselves, then that's karma mishra bhakti. It's not pure devotional service. When we think how to satisfy ourselves, and but at the same time we we're thinking how to keep Krishna satisfied also, and that's karma yoga. So there are gradations. Bhakti yoga means when we're thinking how to satisfy Krishna. But the terms, they may be used interchangeably also. Sometimes. Well, in, in, the, in the third chapter, it's that talks about demigod worship. It's not. It's, it's very primary level. Whereas the the fifth chapter. That is summarized by understanding that Krishna, Bhuktaram Yajya Tapasam, you're performing your, your yajyas and your tapasyas, but clear understanding of Krishna as the enjoyer. That's how I understand it. Whereas the third chapter is. Like this class and the knowledge, And the fourth chapter also discusses sacrifices. So it's all, it's a gradual progression, isn't it? So this yajna, this yajna can also, it would appear that at that stage Krishna is 
talking about the, the karma kandis who don't have a very clear understanding of Krishna's position. So that's a primary stage. Satisfy the demigods. The demigods will satisfy you. But then later Krishna goes on to explain that actually whatever the demigods given, give is given by me. So there's a gradual progression of understanding, isn't there? Yeah, sometimes they're all like little things back together. Some yeah. 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 You can spend your whole life studying the Gita. You have to see each case individually. Generally, if they associate, if they somehow or other, if they associate with devotees, then they can become purified. But the thing is that we should bring them into our program, not that they try to bring us into their program. That's why temples. You have a temple, then you can engage people. They like to perform some yagya or something. You tell them you get this benefit, and you put their name on the board that they've donated so much money. And then. But it's, it's preaching in India, especially, where. In the Western countries, generally people are either interested in Krishna consciousness or they're not. And they generally don't come for some, at least in, initially they don't come for some material motivation. But here it's, it's the whole culture has been going on for thousands of years. And so it's a matter of bringing people up gradually. Not everyone can come up to the highest standards by temples. Temples are for, especially for neophyte devotees. For giving a people, they'll come and take darshan. They'll hear the kirtan. Not that many people are interested in the philosophy. They'll take prasadam. They can do some service. And they hear, they learn or they know that bowing down to the deities is good. They'll get the blessings. Circumambulating the deities is good. So it helps them to come up. Gradually. Yeah, you see people, they, they tend to respect sadhus or to be favorable to them, but they don't. So that's the, that's the plus point. They don't, what we're actually preaching, they may not understand. They think you're, you're, you're just for helping them in material life or whatever. So that may not be very pleasing to you, but then their, their attitude in general is, is more favorable. So every preaching field has its particular idiosyncrasies. There are some plus points and some minus points. So if we're going to preach here, then we have to we're going to preach in India, we have to be aware of this. We can't expect to change everyone overnight, immediately. We should encourage everyone to take to Krishna conscious in some level or other. Shastra said that if one worships Krishna's devotees, this is more of Krishna is more pleased. That's a higher worship. Well, if we think of Krishna's devotees, we automatically think of Krishna because they're so tight in their relationship with Krishna that we can't think of them without thinking of Krishna. And Krishna prefers that we think of him in that way. Not that we stop thinking of Krishna. That's another, that's another wrong idea. That we only worship the Guru and forget about God. That they should be worshipped simultaneously. Mm. 
the general principle that is stated in Gita that is explained in more detail and more depth elsewhere. That's why it's said that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's teachings begin where Krishna's in, teachings in Bhagavad Gita leave off. There's further to go. There's no end. When I was in Madras, I saw some book. I just saw the cover. I didn't look to see who it was written by. Someone had some book called The Pinnacle of Devotion. You know what pinnacle means? It means like the, like the top of a mountain, like the peak. But I was thinking, actually, there is no peak. That means the end. There's no further to go. But there is no end. The devotee never thinks that now you know, I've reached, this is it, this is the, the limit. There's no, there's no limits. Of course, that may be expressive to say the pinnacle. I'm not, I don't want to unnecessarily find fault with the author of the book, whoever it may be, without seeing the book, maybe. It's a manner of expression, but I was just thinking that pinnacle, there is actually, there is the final point, there is no final point of bhakti. It's always increasing. I haven't seen that explained anywhere, but it may mean that he was not exactly in the form of Arjuna. He was, or it may be that uh, he was Arjuna, but <laughs> the Leela may have been somewhat different. I don't know, it's not explained. That's true, yeah, that's one point. We see Krishna speaks Bhagavad Gita. Now he also spoke that on the sun planet. But in that case the words wouldn't have been exactly, it would have been the same knowledge, but it wouldn't have been exactly the same words in every case. Just like Krishna told, But presumably he was speaking on the sun planet in in a different circumstance. It wasn't necessarily that there was going to be a fight. So the basic points he must have Many of the verses we'll see, they're just, it's from the Upanishads or in the Upanishads. It's Krishna saying the same thing. So the same basic things he must have said, but it may not have been exactly the same verses as we have in, all the verses may not have been exactly the same. When he says, Janma Karma Chamedivyam Evangyoveti Tanatyatma he says Arjuna, but he wouldn't have said Arjuna. To Vivasva. Naiti ma meiti so sa vivasva. It doesn't fit the meter either. Naiti ma naiti naiti how's it going? Naiti ma meiti sa deva you may have said. Oh God. Speculation. <laughs> But then that whole that whole sequence of questions come when Aparam Bhavato Janma, Param Janma Vivasvita, Katametadna Janayam, Samahadal Praktavanity, that whole sequence of questions comes. When Arjuna asks Krishna that the sun god is older than you, then how am I to accept that you spoke this knowledge to Vivasva when he was born so many millions of years ago and you you are Contemporary to me. So the whole sequence of instruction may have been different. We have in Mahabharata also that Arjuna, one time he approached Krishna after the battle and said, I forgot what you told me. Can you tell me again? And Krishna, there's a whole, it's called Anugita, which Krishna gives the same knowledge, but it's like in a different, differently presented. Hmm. Yeah, I surrender unto him. Well, that's 
because he's established himself as the Supreme Lord. It's just like Temple President, he's speaking, he, the Temple President may give an announcement and he's speaking on a, on a principle that uh, no one should enter the Temple President's office without knocking. So he's speaking on a principle that, that it's not particularly me, but because the position is there of Temple President. So, Tameva Shalram Gacha, because he or I am the Supreme Lord, therefore you should take shelter of him. So, you, in ordinary life, it's like that also. Someone may speak in the third person when they're referring to their, their position. He surrendered unto me, yeah. That's. So he may say that, please don't enter the town president's room without knocking, otherwise I'll get angry. <laughs> it's understood. You understood from what? Yeah, it may be also. We have to see what the how the different acharyas have commented. That's a whole, you can spend your whole life studying Bhagavad Gita, all the different Acharya's commentaries. At the end of the seventh and the beginning of the eighth chapter, Adi Bhuta, Adi Daivang Maam, Adi Yagyam. So these three words, and then what? Then, uh, then Arjuna asked the question, the questions that, uh, Kimta Brahma Kimadhyatma. What is it? Yeah, yeah, then. Kim Karma Purushatu. Adi Daivam Katam Gotra. Dei Sri Matusur. Priyana Kali Chakatam. Krishna just answers, except that Priyana Kali Chakatam. Then how can they remember your eternal death? He just answers in one word reply. So it's not, you know, the, the, both the question and the answer could be interpreted in many different ways, and the, chari, the acharyas do give different meanings. Yeah, you could, and then you, exactly what what these things mean, how these words have appeared in shastra, you know, in, in the Upanishads, in different places. It's, it's a whole big thing to study. <laughs> Business, you can study. If you get time, you can do some research on all these things. And having researched all the different acharyas, then finally understand that how Prabhupada has presented in Bhagavad Gita as it is, is the, the perfection of understanding. Chanting. And both should be done. It's not that one should be done to the exclusion of the other. They're both important. Both are required. If you had to choose between one or the other, then you should chant. If you can't study Gita, you can also chant. So if you had to say, then chanting is more important. But it's not that you shouldn't study. Should we finish our runs before, before studying? Sometimes we left some rounds for... That you have to see individually. Generally we try to finish our rounds in the morning. 16 rounds. You have to see. There's no fixed rule that you must finish 16 rounds before you start studying. It's 
not a good generally it's not good to have rounds left over at night better to finish before midday at least you never know what's going to happen either sometimes things, things come up at night and then if you don't chant in the morning then you're, it's 11 o'clock at night and you still have 8 rounds to chant